This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves. All you have to do, dial in toll-free, 855-453. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line. 1-855-450-3733. Join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. Joining you here tonight, it's Ian. And Julia. All right, once again, freetalklive.com. You can actually control the content of the website and some interesting stories up there uh, today. Thanks to listeners like you. It's If it weren't for you, we wouldn't have anything on the site. It would be one of those we-tell-you-what's-important sites, which is what it used to be a few years ago, and now it's a you-tell-us-what's-important site, meaning that you find something interesting online, you submit it as show prep, other listeners vote whether they like or dislike it, and the most voted up make it to the front page and the top of the site over at freetalklive.com. Now, there's something uh, in the news here that... I saw this story, Julia, and I thought of you. Uh-oh. And there's certain certain topics that really you have a serious interest in. And I think everybody's got topics that are their pet issues. You are really into music and like it's a passion for you. You decide I think you described yourself as a music snob because you've got a very distinct set of preferences. Sure. And anything that falls outside of that set of preferences well, some of it is pretty offensive to you. and there's, I don't know if offensive is the right word. There's one artist in particular that I'm thinking of. So it has to do with that, has to do with music, and it has to do with MDMA, which is something that you have some familiarity with, I suppose A we, little. we could say. So headline from TMZ.com, which is uh, one of these uh, kind of like online scandal rags for the pop music industry or for all popular culture. Madonna is under attack by one of the most famous DJs in the world who's pissed at the material girl for glamorizing the use of ecstasy during a recent concert. I literally read this article like just a few minutes ago. Is that right? Yeah. How did it make you feel? Um, I think it's funny. (laughs) So, I thought you'd be infuriated. DJ Deadmau5 was clearly watching when Madge, I guess that's what they call her in the pop culture circles, took the stage at the Ultra Music Festival in Miami, which is uh, used to be an electronic music festival. It still is, but it's just, uh, you know, I went to one of the original Ultras. I don't remember if it was two or three, or, but I started going really early on when Ultra was, I mean, it was still big, but it was small, much smaller. Mm-hmm. And I went every year for five years, and it seems like every year it got worse and worse. It got bigger. They started bringing in artists that I don't really class, you know what I mean, classify as electronic. It kind of... Like Madonna? Yeah. I mean, really. One year they had Moby, and that's one of those artists that, like, isn't really... You know what I mean? Like underground electronic, it's it's kind of in that gray area. So and you're saying it started as an underground I, event? I would say then- sure. I mean, there was there was the big name DJs like uh, Paul Van Dyke and all those big trance guys, but they always had a lot of tents with more underground. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It just started getting less and less, and um, it's expensive, and uh, it's just not my. It, it's like a rock concert. You know what I mean? And, and it kind not of. Not your scene anymore. No, not at all. So Madonna was there. She took the stage and shouted to the crowd, quote, How many people in this crowd have seen Molly? And I guess there's a video evidence of this happening. Uh, and for those that don't know, Molly is a slang term for MDMA, which is 
as they describe here one of the key ingredients in ecstasy. I guess that's an accurate statement these days. Well, because- that breaks my heart when people say that because MDMA is ecstasy. That's what it's supposed, it's supposed to, be. to be. Right. But I don't want to... Sort of like how libertarians are supposed to apply themselves with a principle. Right. But- I don't like the idea of of catering to that at all, because then what you start doing is you start getting these young kids who say things like, you know, well, ecstasy is different every time. No, it isn't. And when you don't demand MDMA in your ecstasy, then you are just asking for trouble. Right? Because these pills are just filled with garbage. And I hear so many people today saying things like, um, well, sometimes like M1 is Molly. No, it isn't. MDMA is ecstasy. End of story. I don't want to talk about it well, anymore. So, well, well, there's more to say about it. And that is the reason why it is like this. And, of course, that's because of prohibition uh, in that it was before it was prohibited. Uh, MDMA was available. People were using it for uh, for like psychological studies and helping people get over issues and that they recreational they had. and recreationally as well. Uh, and there's a great uh, there's an excellent television piece on it, and you know what it's called, but I forget. Ecstasy what, Rising. Ecstasy Rising from ABC. Was it ABC News? Yes, Peter Jennings. About around the turn of the century, I think, is when they came out around the year 2000 or so. Mm-hmm. And that's when they really go into the they get into the history of uh, MDMA and what it was and what it became. And it didn't become this drug cocktail, or rather, ecstasy didn't become this drug cocktail until it became illegal. And it started bec- uh, being manufactured in the black market by unscrupulous people who were just looking to turn a quick buck. On some victims, you know, some unsuspecting ravers or partiers or wherever they're going to push these pills. Well, and I think something that's interesting to point out is that um, ecstasy, even though, yes, there have always been, since it's been illegal, there have been some pills with questionable things. It is way worse today than it used to be. Like, there's way more of a percentage of the pills that aren't real. Is that just your personal experience, um, or well, is that true across the board? A, my personal experience, but B, really the only way that one could look at this would be going to ecstasydata.org, which has uh, tested pills through, um, I think it's called GCMS. It's a real pill testing, like really high-tech stuff. They have a DEA licensed lab to do this. They test ecstasy pills, and they have since 2001, I believe. And if you calculate, if you do the statistics, and obviously that's not a perfect study or anything like that, but if you do the statistics of pills that were MDMA and contain other ingredients, over the years it has gotten worse, worse, worse. And if you look at the way it used to be, there would be a pill that was like DXM or it would be ecstasy and caffeine. You know, there'd be like two adulterants, maybe something to cut it down. Now there are so many pills and they have five, six chemicals you've never heard of. So just disgusting chemical cocktails. So... There's more to say about this. Of course, you're welcome to share your thoughts at 855-450-FREE. That's 1-855-450-3733. And, of course, as always, I think it's important to urge caution, not just for the reasons that you're giving, uh, Julia, in that if you're purchasing something called ecstasy on the black market, you don't know what you're getting unless you test it yourself or unless someone that you trust has verified they've tested it. But on top of that... 
just the use of any uh, psychoactive substance or, in this case, then pathogen, uh, the, the use of any drug can be addictive if it's you know if people have a good time with it. There's always that psychological addiction that can come along with it, and so one should be very you know I think come into this with ex- certain expectations and caution. But on this show, we we realize that people are going to use drugs on Free Talk Live. This isn't some sort of uh, prohibitionist show. I think that all drugs should be completely legal. And I think that if we have legal or fully decriminalized drugs, then better information will be out there about them. We'll have uh, if ecstasy, for instance, is manufactured in, in a legal framework, then it'll be available through controlled manufacturing conditions with quality control. And there will be no more question about what it is that you're buying, which, of course, leads people to better be able to ex- know what to expect from a product and to better measure a dose of well, a product. It's interesting you say that because... Um, in the Netherlands, they actually have, um, it's not legal, but they rolled out this huge harm reduction. Uh, <clears throat> the government actually rolled out this huge harm reduction initiative years ago. And they have test centers where you can take your pill, you bring a pill, you drop it off, and I'll, they'll test it for you. Mm-hmm. And like a real test, and they'll tell you how much MDMA is in it and everything else, you know what I mean, how, what's in it and how much. So the Netherlands has the best ecstasy pills in the world. They're the strongest, so you only need one. You don't have to keep redosing, and they're also the cleanest. Toll-free number here is 855-453-FREE. What was it that happened, though, with uh, Madonna down at the Ultra Festival where she got on stage and basically endorsed using MDMA to what is a huge crowd? Uh, 855-453-FREE. You can take control of the airwaves, bring up what you want. This is Free Talk Live. People ask me, Tim, why did you start VerbalSurgery.com? Well, it's easy. I started making these podcasts to make you feel better right now. That's right. From the tops of the Himalayas to the bottom of the deepest seas. That's right. These broadcasts go out to everywhere on the planet and most importantly, deep inside of your brain to make you feel better right now. And isn't that what it's all about? VerbalSurgery.com. Check it out today. This is Free Talk Live, the toll-free number here, 855-453, that's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. Enjoy the features that await you here. And those features include the bulletin board system. You can go and interact with other Free Talk Live listeners over at bbs.freetalklive.com. That is what will get you there, and it's free, just like the rest of our website bbs.freetalklive.com and it's free thanks to great sponsors like SACL CAI you want collections done and you want it done with respect then you should visit SACL CAI because they'll handle that vexing task for you and they'll do it in a way that's going to keep your customers on board down the line as well which is important so go to uh, SACL CAI's banner right at the top of our banner column over at freetalklive.com again that's SACL CAI so, two topics near and dear to Julia's heart, music and MDMA, uh, which is commonly known as ecstasy, but unfortunately the term ecstasy 
isn't really known as MDMA anymore. I guess it's not really even accurate to say it's commonly known as ecstasy. It's probably not true. That, well, that, something that's been kind of interesting about the whole <clears throat> adulterated pills, pills getting like really bad, at least in this corner of the United States, but it it's all over the United States, is that uh, Molly, which is supposed to be term. MDMA crystals or powder, has made a comeback. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was a raver, when, when I was 16, you couldn't find Molly. You only got pressed pills. Gotcha. Um, and now Molly's made a comeback. But the problem with that is now uh, they are starting to sell methalone and mephedrone and all these other things as these are Molly. The designer drugs, basically? Yes. That, uh, let's see, what are they calling it? Bath salts, some of them? Yeah. So they're selling these now as Molly. And other ways to test for, for yes. that? Okay. Yes. In fact, anytime we talk about ecstasy, I just have to say this. Please, please, if you purchase ecstasy, $20, you can get a marquee. Go to dancesafe.org, buy yourself a test kit or at least one of the bottles. The marquee is the one mm-hmm. I recommend. It will save you money. It will save you from having a really bad night. And, I, you know, when you're going to eat ecstasy and you get a drug that makes you feel terrible i mean that's just the worst because ecstasy is a drug that makes you feel so good that when you're anticipating that and instead you get sick and you can't leave the bathroom i mean that's just that's just mean the toll-free number here is 855-450-FREE madonna got on stage at ultra music festival in miami huge uh, music festival and shouted to the crowd how many people in this crowd have seen molly and the crowd cheered at the comment. There was another music artist uh, named Dead Mouse with a five at the end. Most people who are probably under the age of uh, 30 have heard of this person. Uh, went to his Facebook page and ripped the singer a new one. He said, quote, very classy there, Madonna. Her der, has anyone seen Molly? He writes in all caps. Such a great message for the young music lovers at Ultra. He added, quite the effing philanthropist, but hey, at least you're hip and trendy, etc., etc. So far, no response from Madonna on the incident. So, is Deadmau5 a... It sounds to me like he is an electronic music artist who is anti-drug, He is very anti-drug, and the most amusing part about that is that there are pictures of him online from when he was a teenage raver, mm-hmm. or a younger raver, and um, I've, I definitely see some indications of drug use. In the um, pictures. Yes. Uh, he is a straight edge, although, I mean, uh, there was one place where he was DJing and he passed out in the middle of the set and had to leave. And um, to me, that says drug addict. Like, that says heroin or something like that. Now, so you think he's like a hypocrite, kind of like Rick Santorum? Yeah, where I do, he, personally. He says he's not gay, but or he says he doesn't like yeah. gays, but may actually be a closeted Yeah, I do. I think that he is, you know, if you look at the guy, he just... He looks like he could definitely be a drug addict to me. And when he passed out on stage, I chuckled, you know, mm. haha, because he said it was from exhaustion. But DJing is an exhaustion, especially, I mean, he just presses some buttons, you know, he's not really doing much. Um, <clears throat> in regards to what he said, I find it very amusing. And, um, you know, first of all, to pretend like she's somehow encouraging Molly is going to make a difference in any way. She's not. There is tons and tons and tons of ecstasy and other drugs at Ultra, and her saying it isn't going to change that at all. Well, this is one of the critiques, right? Of uh, it, There's people out there like right now listening to this show 
probably thinking similar things as uh, Mr. Deadmau5 uh, did in this particular case, in that the idea is, Julia, that simply by talking about these things and talking honestly, which is what Madonna was doing, she was just acknowledging yeah. the truth, and that is that she's at a music festival where it's highly likely people have used MDMA or something that is offered for sale as uh, as Well, ecstasy. and I feel like at concerts, too, like a hippie fest and things like mm-hmm. that, they probably make drug references, you know, other drugs or whatever would be, like a fish concert, right? That's acid. Yeah, but, I mean, Madonna's not... Uh, Fish isn't Madonna, right? Madonna no, is, is still huge. But She's to say still it's really outrageous popular. for a rock star or someone to come in favor of drug use is pretty silly. It's certainly not unheard of, but then again, when you look at stories like uh, Dionne Warwick a few years ago getting busted for having uh, – she had some marijuana in her bag at an airport. That, that was dumb. She backed away from it. She pretended like it wasn't hers. Oh, how did that get there? Uh, so – there's still a stigma that surrounds this, and that's where kind of this article is, is coming from over at TMC. It's like, oh, how could she? How could she? There are children. There are children in this, this audience, and there could be young people listening to this show too, which is why I think it's, it's so important to have these conversations because I don't want to see anybody, whether it's a you know, teenager, young person, or somebody older than that, I don't want to see anybody go and get into a situation where they encounter drugs and they don't know what to do, but they, they want to use them because they're being pressured or whatever. They think it's cool or whatever it is their motivations are, and they, don't, they go into it without any knowledge. I was uh, t- talking with some parents recently that said that they thought their teenage daughter was really important for her to hang out with, uh, with teenagers. Like, why? Wouldn't you want your, your son or daughter to hang out more with or to spend more time with adults so they can be better culturalized or, and, and be less likely to make stupid choices? Because you put everybody around people the same age, especially people that have no significant life experience of which to speak, and you're going to have huge mistakes made. Yeah. Do you want your kids to learn about drugs from you, the parent? Or do you want them to learn about it from their uh, 13, 14, 15-year-old friends at, at high school party one night at 2 in the morning when somebody comes with a bowl of pills and offers them out? And th- this stuff happens, apparently. When I heard about this, I, it was unbelievable to me. Just That's... kids taking handfuls of prescription pills from, uh, from a, like a, a candy bowl. I don't know if handfuls, but taking prescription pills, just random pills being put into a bowl. I've seen it done. You've seen this. Oh, yes. I have a horror story with that, actually. Let's Not me personally, it. but... Because this is terrible and dangerous. 855-450-FREE. So the purpose of talking about these things is to acknowledge reality, and that is that people will use drugs, and then attempt to reduce the harm that can come to people from the irresponsible use of those drugs. 855-450-FREE. And you're welcome to tell your stories as well. 1-855-450-3733. This is Free Talk Live. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. Are you looking for a concealed carry holster? Crossbreed Holsters is the home of the world-famous Super Tuck, the most comfortable concealed carry holster on the market today. Try one out and see how truly discreet and comfortable carrying concealed can be. And find out why we call it the ugliest holster you'll ever love. We are the standard others try to imitate. Get the original. Get your Super Tuck at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Again, that's CrossbreedHolsters.com. Thank you. 
is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything you want. Dial in toll-free at 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-855-450-3733. And here tonight, it's Ian. And Julia. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got a lot of features that await you there. In fact, one of those features is our mobile site. Those of you with a smartphone, you can go to m, as in mobile.freetalklive.com. That's m.freetalklive.com. That'll get you quick access to our live streams and the podcast. All of it for free at m.freetalklive.com. We're talking about some comments that uh, were made by Madonna on a stage at Ultra Music Festival. And not so much her comments, but the, the issues that surround it. She acknowledged on stage that the people at this particular music festival, which is more of an electronically based music festival, uh, were likely to be on MDMA. That's just how it is at electronic music festivals. And so she acknowledged that and asked the question how many people were, uh, how many people had seen Molly tonight, which is a, a thinly veiled reference to the idea that people were using MDMA. Or what was purported as MDMA, but likely probably wasn't MDMA because of the black market, where unscrupulous criminals will manufacture pills and market it, market those pills at places like music festivals as one product. But in point of fact, they're not at all. Now, I guess they do this because they can get the ingredients cheaper it's much cheaper yeah i one time saw an article about uh bzp which is a piperazine which Mm -hmm. is one of the worst uh ecstasy substitutions that is frequently in pills over here and i once saw the price listed for a bear a barrel of this stuff like uh, during a a bust there was a bust of it yep and they said the price and it was dirt dirt cheap so this is illegal too. This it is illegal replacement. So you would get in the same amount of trouble, but it's so much cheaper, and I think it's probably just easier to get. I guess. So these uh, these criminals manufacture these pills, and they put them out on the streets, and they essentially poison the uh, the idea of what the the drug originally was. As you pointed out, Julia, the MDMA has very specific effects, but if you just go out and randomly buy some pill at a club. And uh, eat it. <laughs> if you randomly buy some pill anywhere. You're wherever, right. Uh, and you don't know what you're getting unless you take the time to do your due diligence and look into this stuff. And that's really what we're suggesting here tonight is if you're going to be somebody who uses a drug, don't walk into it blind. Don't take somebody's recommendation Unless that person is absolutely what positively 100% someone that is trustworthy that you know for a fact has like a test kit and has verified the, the claims. And that's what I would recommend. I think it's, it's so important that people come across this information. Arrowhead.org is a great site to learn more about um, various different drugs, including prescription pills, by the way, which also there's a lot of uh, prescription pills out there. In fact, that re- reminds me we we're going to have you tell a story. Because uh, I've heard stories, I haven't seen this happen in person, but I've heard stories of high school parties where somebody shows up with uh, just a bowl full of prescription pills and hands them out. Um, who knows what's in there? Yeah. Well, I uh, had a friend once who one time we had like a a little party, I guess, I, just between the three of us. It was mm-hmm. me and my friend and my other friend. And uh, we had ecstasy that night. 
but there wasn't enough to share, so he was just going to be drinking. And he drank a lot of liquor, hard liquor, and he had this Altoids container, which had a variety of prescription pills in it. Oh, boy. And we told him not to take it. You know, we said, that's not a good idea. Drinking and prescription pills, bad. I see some muscle relaxers in there. Your heart's a muscle, bad. Shouldn't do it. Well, he took all of them. How old was this? 16. man. Oh, man. He took all of them. We didn't even notice. You know what I mean? We didn't know he did. But by the end of the night, he was sitting in a corner. He had snuck out of his house, too, I might add. So he was sitting in a corner. He took a whole Altoids tin full of pills? It was like 14 pills, I'd say. You know, he was just drunk and he was popping them. Oh, wow. So he's sitting in a corner and we went like sleeping with his head in his knees and we went to go wake him up. And, uh, you know, we shook him and tapped him and he wasn't waking up. Oh, boy. And uh, he finally sat up and he opened his eyes and they were the opposite of cross-eyed. Like one eye was up here and one eye was down here. And it was the, I mean, he looked at us with these big cross-eyed eyes and we were just, it was really awful to look at. So just we, because his muscles were so yeah, whacked out, it, yeah, he his was just, body was so yeah. influenced by these pills. So we took him home and he had to sneak back in his window and we said, you know, I don't was know. Was he able to like navigate in any way, shape or form? Enough to get back in the window, Amazing. I guess. But, um, you know, we took him home and he, we said, please, whatever you do, don't go to sleep. You know, your heart is a muscle. We're a little concerned about you. I don't know if you can stay awake for a little while longer. But it doesn't seem like a good idea for you to go to bed right now. And um, he went in and he passed out. And Mm. his mom couldn't get him up in the morning in the same fashion. And at about 12 o'clock in the afternoon, she became concerned. And when she finally got him up, his eyes were like that. And she flipped out and she took him to the hospital. And he ended up in a coma for about 18 hours. And he was okay. But he also, he was on legal trouble. He'd gotten busted with pot when he was uh, in school. Mm -hmm. And so he was, and this kid was always on probation and he had to go to rehab and and he's been in and out of jail since then too. So just a sad story. I know, like that's going to help his, help his problems. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, that was my experience with someone taking a variety of pills. Toll-free number is 855-450-FREE. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. So you get more information about a lot of this stuff, uh, whether it's prescription pills or something that is completely illegal. You can go to arrowid.org. You also recommended for uh, X, for MDMA specifically, ecstasy well, data? Ecstasydata.org, yes. .org. Yeah. I would not recommend pill reports. Okay. I don't trust them. Because any old person can just yeah, and I see things that like like people. It looks like a lot of dealers get on there, Mm -hmm. you know, and they post their pills, and they're like, and and what they've started great, right? What they've started doing because people will call them out on it is they'll go, no, you know, I admit these aren't MDMA, but I ate them and they were so much fun, you know, and it's some (laughs) garbage chemical cocktail pill. So I just I have I'm done with pill reports. I do not go on there. I'll get in a fight with somebody. 855-450-FREE. You're welcome to share your stories here. In other news, according to the UK's Independent, independent.co.uk, since we're on the drug illegal, illegal drug topic, psychedelic drug LSD could be used as an effective method to treat alcoholism. Speaking of alcohol. It's very science interesting. Say, scientists say the use of lysergic acid diethylamide, di, diethylamide, 
LSD, coupled with relapse prevention treatments, could help alcoholics steer clear of the bottle, according to research published in the Journal of Psychopharmacology. Terry Krebs and Paul Orjan Johansson, who are performing research fellowships at Harvard Medical School, examined a number of previous studies, mostly from the 1960s and 70s, and found that a number of clinics used LSD to treat alcoholism with some success. So just to put this in perspective, this is old news. They were looking into this 50 years ago. Yeah. And now it's coming around again, because what's old is new again, that LSD could actually be really helpful for people with a serious, I guess some would call this a disease, right? Alcoholism is a disease? Some people call it a disease. I'm not sure I believe that. A serious problem, because it is a problem in a lot of cases, although there are functional alcoholics, uh, to, to help these folks. And, of course, the government doesn't want this information getting out, just like they don't want the information getting out. We should have mentioned before that MDMA can help people with PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, a serious issue that affects a lot of people, especially those coming back from war. It's been shown that MDMA can treat PTSD successfully in one dose. I mean, that yeah, is it's stunning. incredible. And this is after all of the other PTSD treatments that are like doctor approved or system approved have failed. So these people have failed at everything that's inside the system. They try one dose of MDMA under the right conditions. Problem solved. More coming up. Free Talk Live. In every age, a technology is created that upends the foundations of society. The wheel, the printing press, the internet. Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money, controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves. Dial in toll-free at 855-453. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com and enjoy the various features that await you there. Uh, Once again, freetalklive.com. And if you like this show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can support us by going to amp.freetalklive.com. The AMP program stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. That's amp.freetalklive.com. We will take that money and invest it into the show, getting on more radio stations around the country and bringing new internet listeners on board as well, exposing new people to the ideas of freedom. So go to amp.freetalklive.com. Get perks like access to the AMP-only call-in lines, podcast, forum, and more. Once again, amp.freetalklive.com. Now, if you're looking for camping, hunting, or shooting gear, manventureoutpost.com carries knives, ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, tactical flashlights, fish finders, and boating equipment. manventureoutpost.com, family-owned and members in good standing in the Better Business Bureau. Some prices are so low they can't even be mentioned on the air. So get an additional 5% off with coupon code FTL. That's FTL like Free Talk Live. Get it quick and get it from manventureoutpost.com. So this was news to me, but for people that have been around for a while, this may not have been news, especially anybody that's been paying attention to the history of LSD, lysergic acid diethylamide. Turns out that back in the 1960s and 70s, there were a number of clinics that had used LSD to treat alcoholism 
with some success. These uh, the people that were doing the study today say that uh, they found evidence for a clear and consistent beneficial effect of a low dose of LSD for treating alcohol dependency. They examined 536 participants across six medical trials and found that 59% of LSD patients had improved compared to 38% of control patients. Researchers say the positive effects of a single dose of the drug tested by a standardized assessment of problem alcohol use appeared to last for up to 12 months. Wow. So that's one dose and a relatively light dose. Now, they don't get into the details on how many nanograms we're talking about here because if I'm not mistaken, is it, is it nanograms or micrograms? Um, I'm pretty sure it's micrograms. micrograms. How many micrograms? nanograms. You I don't should remember. know these things, Julia. I don't eat LSD anymore. Oh, okay. I'm pretty, I think it's micrograms because it's my first choice. So that's usually right, but it could be nanograms. Okay, so we should probably find that out. Okay, Can you I'll, check that for me? I'll Google it right now. Excellent. Uh, so they don't give you those details, but a relatively low dose, they say. So probably, you know, low enough to where they're not hallucinating severely because <laughs> from the stories I've heard, you can get into some really unusual places, you know, if you take too much LSD. I the most I've ever taken was one hit and of course the amount in one hit can vary widely because we are talking about again a black market product where there's no consistency in the the you know one batch to another because people that are buying in the black market they buy what comes around and what comes around doesn't necessarily come through the same channels I suppose if you were getting it from the same exact source every single time, then your odds would be better of knowing what you're getting. But that just usually doesn't work that way in the black marketplace. So that's something to keep in mind here. And it's kind of a theme we've been talking about throughout the hours that the black market brings inconsistency to products. It brings questionability to products. You may not even be dealing with, with what you think you're dealing with. But in this case, they know they were dealing with LSD. These are clinical trials. So they had the absolute... Guaranteed, this was the product they were dealing with, and they knew how much they were uh, talking about. Did you find out what it was? Yes, it's micrograms. Micrograms. Uh, So they knew how much they were dealing with. They were administering it under controlled conditions, and a significant increase, I mean, very statistically significant here, 50% of LSD patients had improved with their alcohol dependency problems. The, The effects, the positive effects of a single dose of the drug lasted for up to 12 months. In the PTSD treatments we were talking about with MDMA before, they cured it. Yeah. There was, it was like 80%. Now, ad- admittedly, the sample size in the, P- in the uh, MDMA study that I saw was relatively small. But it was still a, a huge number, a percentage of the sample size that had significant effects. I think it was something around 79%. Or yeah, maybe, about, it was about yeah. 80%. Uh, I mean, uh, 80% cured after one dose in a controlled environment in the psychologist's office or psychiatrist's office. So it wasn't at a rave or something like that. Uh, but these are really amazing stories, incredible news being reported in mainstream journalist publications. When The Independent at independent.co.uk publishes an article about how LSD may aid alcoholism treatment. This isn't an article saying, hey, everybody, go out and party and use drugs irresponsibly. This is something to point out. Look, this is really something that can help people. And in fact, it's really sad that we don't know 
how many people can be helped. So this is kind of old news, as I was saying. Back in the 60s and 70s, they were doing clinical trials. They found out it can help people with alcoholism. What else can be helped? What other maladies can be remedied? What other mindsets can be changed? What other benefits can society receive from using these drugs? Right. I mean, it's sad. You know, I think about just all of the lost opportunities and I I have trouble believing that it's going to end anytime soon. I sure hope in our lifetime in our lifetime that I see this legal. Horror. I sure hope so too. I don't know either, Julia, because you know, you you go and you look at uh, medical marijuana and it's it's like pulling teeth to try to just allow people who are sick to use medical marijuana. Yeah. To, to get these politicians to change their mind on it. And then when you even talk to folks who are advocates of marijuana decriminalization about other drug decriminalization, they, f- they freak out and they say that, uh, you know, that they can't, well, we can't do that. I don't use those drugs, so it's bad to legalize yeah. those drugs. But we need to be consistent. If the reason to legalize marijuana is that the harms of prohibition are way worse than the the problems the drug might cause for somebody. That to me, that's a reason to use it or to uh, to legalize it. There are other reasons, of course. The war on drugs is really expensive. It's morally wrong. There's more. There's the morality aspect as well. There's the question of who owns you and do you own your own body and do you get to decide what to put into it? Look, I get it. I don't support drug use across the board. I don't. There's some really scary drugs out there and some really dangerous drugs. But one drug is not equivalent to another. Heroin is not the same as ecstasy. Not at all. And that doesn't mean that heroin should be illegal either. And in fact, heroin is legal in the form of methadone, in the form of oxycodone, and the form of hydrocodone. I mean, so really, even MDMA, excuse me, not MDMA, but even uh, meth. There's a legal version of meth out yes, there. It's it called Desoxin. It started out legally. Yeah. That's how it started out. Meth began as a prescription drug, uh, a diet pill. So these are really important things. People need to hear the truth about these uh, these matters. There's a little bit more to the story here from The Independent regarding the LSD and assisting folks with alcohol dependency. They suggested the repeated use of the medication coupled with preventative treatments might provide more sustained results. Investigators of one trial which was examined said it was rather common for patients to claim significant insights into their problems, to feel that they had been given a new lease on life, and to make a strong resolution to discontinue their drinking. That's interesting because when I think about... If I was to describe what the LSD experience is like for someone who doesn't know anything about it or has never done it, uh, the way I would describe it is, in addition to the hallucinations and some of the beautiful things you see, um, I feel like, you know, for the first four hours or so during the come up, you're like starting to understand something and then like you feel like you've just figured life out, whatever it is. I mean, you feel like you really have a grasp on understanding the universe. But you can't really and put then, it into words, no, can you? No, you can't put it into words. And then as you start to lose the effects, it starts to pull away from you and you desperately try to grab it and figure it out again. And then it's just gone. That's how I would describe it. <laughs> Let's go to you and your thoughts. Michael's listening in Wyoming. You're on Free Talk Live. Michael. Hey, how you doing? Hey, what's on your mind? 
Uh, I wonder if you guys knew that uh, Bill W., the founder of Alcoholics Anonymous, actually experimented with LSD and was excited about its possibilities for treating alcoholism. Wow, no, I did not know that. That's interesting. Yeah, he got uh, he stopped doing it because he kind of got shouted down by the members of the group he started, which is... Uh, I went through a lot of AA, and I'm still sober since 1994. I don't go to meetings anymore. I've had a lot of issues with meetings, but I think that the whole basic idea of it is good, and... The but, sort of political. Well, hold uh, that thought, Michael. If you could AA. stick with us, stick with us here through the news. I'd like to bring you back, talk more about AA sure. and you know the attitude of these folks. This attitude, I presume, he's talking about of well, any kind of modification of your consciousness is bad. Eight five five four fifty free. You can take control. I am so excited about Pork Fest this year. Pork Fest. What's that? It's the Porcupine Freedom Festival, a fun and educational camping event put on every summer by the Free State Project. This year it's going to be happening June 18th to the 24th at Rogers Campground in Lancaster, New Hampshire. Okay, I like camping and I definitely like freedom, but my budget is tight. Tickets are only $30 for the whole week if you get them before May 1st. Well, that sounds reasonable, but what goes on there? <laughs> what doesn't go on at Porkfest? There are speakers, family fun, dance parties, karaoke, a comedy roast, hiking, campfires, sports, a wedding, and all kinds of delicious food. But the part that I like best is spending time with other people who love freedom. Mm, that's sounding pretty good to me. Where can I go to learn more? Check out Porkfest.com and make sure you spell pork like a porcupine. P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. Like what you see? Looks like a blast. Okay, I'm in. See you at Porkfest. While you're there, check out how you can become a VIP, very important porcupine, for a modest donation. See you at Porkfest. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 855-453. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features that await you there. Once again, freetalklive.com. For those of you just tuning in here this hour, we're picking up a conversation that we had throughout the hour last hour about drugs. Drugs that are of the illegal nature. And how it is that maybe they aren't all as bad as they've been made out to be. And, of course, as I mentioned before, and it's worth mentioning again because there's always new people tuning in, we're not here to recommend drugs to you or encourage you to take them, but to acknowledge that you just might do so. And then hope to give you some information, some ideas that will help you do those drugs in the most safe manner as possible so you can live to talk about the experience and benefit, hopefully, from it. Especially if you're suffering from, say, PTSD or alcoholism, as we were discussing how LSD uh, has been used to treat alcoholism successfully, and MDMA has been used to treat PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, successfully. Of course, medical marijuana has a wide variety of uh, benefits. And actually, uh, Michael was on the line in Wyoming who was telling us that once upon a time, the founder of Alcoholics Anonymous was very excited about having – he was excited about having the possibility of using LSD to treat alcoholism. And then he backed away from it, Michael, because of some of the pressures that he was getting from from the Alcoholics Anonymous community. Is that right? Yeah, and this is uh, – it's, it's kind of a dirty little secret of AA. It's not talked about a lot, 
Um, but it is in an official AA publication called Pass It On, the story of Bill Wilson and how the AA message reached the world, which is published by AA World Services. Uh, Bill Wilson was turned on, the, the co-founder of AA, was turned on to LSD by Aldous Huxley, the, uh, the author of Doors of Perception and Brave New World, and was really excited about the possibility of using it to treat alcoholism. Uh, Bill Wilson was into anything that could help alcoholics. Um, he experimented with niacin, parapsychology, all sorts of things. And he kind of got shouted down by the people in his home group. Um, the, the, struct, the political structure of AA is kind of, uh, Bill Wilson called it himself, a, an interesting mix of democracy and anarchy. And I've kind of looked at it as an early panarchy model, which I explored in my book, User's Manual for the Human Experience, I think it can be expanded to anything. It's basically a democracy that you can leave anytime you want. Hmm, okay. And, uh, yeah, he experimented with LSD and wanted to distribute it at all AA meetings nationwide. Wow. And the people around him were just like, ah, Bill, crazy old Bill, you know, to the founder. They're like, nah, you're nuts. Hmm. We're not doing that. And did that come from the idea that, well... Alcohol alters your state of consciousness. LSD alters your state of consciousness. So that's all bad. Uh, yeah. I mean, they, they, there's an AA publication called um, Problems Other Than Alcohol, which is about pills. And I've been in an AA meeting where somebody said that they were using medical marijuana and they basically got laughed at. Um, you know, it's kind Jeez. of a all or none methodology. So it's, um, so it's a straight they do edge. I recommend group now. in that pamphlet. Uh, problems other than alcohol, that if a psychiatrist or doctor recommends a medicine, it's okay. Oh, I see. <laughs> so somebody who's part of the medical establishment, they can just uh, pop, pop you full of all kinds of pills, and that's fine. Well, yeah, but they also, um, you know, recommend against drug-seeking behavior or uh, taking things that mm -hmm. you don't need beyond when you need them, and things like if you have to be on a mind-altering prescription medication to give it to your sponsor to dole out to you so you're not taking too much of it. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that's a reasonable suggestion. So, any other thoughts? A lot uh, of reasonableness in, this, in the founding and structure of AA. A lot of the unreasonableness I found was in the meetings, and I think it was a thing of them, uh, with time, becoming not what I would consider pure AA, uh, with a lot of pop psychology entering mm -hmm. the conversation and being bandied about as if it were, uh, you know, in the book, shall we say, but it's not. Interesting. Michael, uh, by the way, it's Michael Dean from FreedomFiends.com, uh, one of the newer live shows over at LRN.FM. So any other thoughts you want to share on this matter tonight, Michael? Uh, no, I just think it's really square of people in buildings in capitals to sit down and write something on a piece of paper and say you can or can't do something that doesn't hurt anybody else. I think it's just square, man, square. I love that you're bringing back square, uh, personally. I think but isn't that's, it uh, hip to be a square? <laughs> no. No, not at all. All right, man. Thanks. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate hearing from you tonight. 855-450-FREE. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Yeah, I'd say that's accurate. I think the people in state governments and federal governments are probably the most accurate description of square as possible. Of course, they all probably have their own issues with uh, whether we're talking about substance abuse or abusing their spouse or or you know suppressing the fact that they might be gay like Santorum. 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. So uh, there's more here in the news worth uh, worth discussing on this topic. We were talking about how there's a – it was actually an NPR, The Independent. It's been 
put out all over the place. We were sharing with you the uh, independent story where study was done looking at different studies. So they did a study that looked at other studies, and they looked at 536 participants across six medical trials and found that 59% of LSD patients had improved regarding their alcohol dependency. And this is, by the way, one dose, a light dose of this particular drug. One of the study's authors, Paj Orjan Johansson, said, given the evidence for a beneficial effect of LSD on alcoholism, it's puzzling why this treatment approach has been largely overlooked. Why, Julia, do you think this treatment approach has been largely overlooked? Um, I, people seem to think that LSD is really terrible. Well, there's all kinds of scary stories right. and I mean, propaganda it, movies. Lots of misinformation, um, which is the war on drugs' fault. I find it ironic because alcohol is one of the... I believe alcohol is the hardest drug you can do, unless it's taken in a very small dose. But, uh, you know, it, it, some would say heroin is pretty hard. It has. I would say it's as hard as heroin. That's, isn't that what the U.K. study showed that was like well, pretty heroin much one was, and two? Yeah, it wasn't two. It was a little higher. But but what bothers me about alcohol is the uh, the compulsion to redose. You mm-hmm. know, once you've had a few drinks. I think it's very common for a lot of people to want to drink more, even when they've passed their limit. Well, I created a habit uh, with alcohol. I wasn't drinking a lot, but I was drinking daily. And technically, isn't that being an alcoholic? Where you, sure. know, you have to? No, it's not. Uh, Rich Paul is here, by the way, uh, and you're welcome to pull up a mic if if you want. If you're gonna if you're gonna be chit chatting with us uh, off mic, uh, Rich Paul joining us here, uh, the creator of the 420 celebrations here in in Keene, New Hampshire, and you're gonna have to get real close in on that uh, that microphone. You say it's not. Uh, yeah, alcoholism is basically defined based on loss of control. Oh, is that right? Okay, so yeah. it's not dependency or creating a habit. Yeah, I mean, if you drink a fifth every day and you just stop and go through DTs, you're not an alcoholic. You're just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I'd gotten to the point where I was kind of relying on it, having a beer or two every single night, and I have uh, I've cut back at, at this point. So I'm glad to know I'm not. I wasn't an, uh, an alcoholic. <laughs> In that particular case. But I think it, the, the question is interesting. And, you know, Rich, since you're here, I'd like to get your answer to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, why this, the scientist is puzzled. Why is this treatment approach, the idea of using LSD for alcoholism, why mm-hmm. has it been largely overlooked? What do you think? Um, well, in the AA community, and uh, for 22 years I was in the AA community, so I can speak feelingly on it. In the AA community, basically the attitude toward all mind-altering drugs except marijuana uh, is almost universally just don't do it. Um, There are, uh, and psychiatric medications, there's variants there. Um, Some people, I took uh, Ritalin while I was going to NA, and some people thought that was uh, just fine, and some people thought that was a bad idea and I should probably stop doing it. But they're not going to make me. They don't tell you what to do. They just say, this is you know, each individual says this is what we think. So, but not just from the perspective of Narcotics Anonymous or Alcoholics Anonymous, but right. from a wider perspective, from a scientific mm-hmm. perspective, from the community's perspective, this scientist is saying, well, why has this treatment pr- approach been overlooked? I've got some speculation on that matter coming up here in a moment. We'll get to that. 855-450-FREE if you want to answer that question. 855-450-3733.
Do you have a product or service that you can sell to a national audience? Free Talk Live is a nationally syndicated radio program on more than 100 radio stations coast to coast. We've been named to Talkers Magazine's Heavy 100 list. That's the 100 most important radio talk shows in the nation thrice. And five times the best political podcast from podcastawards.com. You can have access to our more than 100 radio stations and our large and loyal podcast audience for less than $1,000 a month. Contact me, Mark, at freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves. Dial in toll-free at 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. And you can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site, and you can enjoy them on us. Features including the webcam, watch, listen, and interact, because the chat room is built into the same page as the cam. You can access it over at cam.freetalklive.com. Like everything else on our website, it's free. That's cam.freetalklive.com. Here tonight with you, it's Ian. And Julia. Uh, Of course, 855-450-FREE is the number here. We are talking about an, an unusual treatment for alcoholism, and that is LSD. And this is according to the Journal of Psychopharmacology, where some researchers uh, took a bunch of previous studies, six of them, with over 536 patients across six medical trials, found that 59% of LSD-treated patients has, had improved with their alcoholism compared to 38% of control patients. So a significant increase. And really, this is important news, right? Because it really kind of gives you a taste for what some of these illegal drugs, drugs that have been illegal for decades, for longer than I've been alive, like what they can do to help people. That, hey, guess what? These aren't just things that people use to get effed up, which some people would say is their purpose in using these drugs, uh, which I don't agree with. I don't think that's the right reason to to use a drug, but everybody's got their own lifestyle. But, but- you're not suggesting that recreational use is wrong, are you? No, but the idea of effing oneself up. You were the one that taught me this, that uh, taking something for a recreational purpose doesn't mean you want to get effed up, right? I don't like to be effed up. Right, but there's, a, there's not But as... I think a lot of people aren't really clear on the distinction. To me... Well, make it clear then, please. For me, and this is kind of the way I've always felt about drugs, I, there are a few drugs that I particularly enjoy. And what I enjoy about those drugs, like MDMA, for example, LSD... There's a particular experience that I am looking for, and I would consider who someone who just wants to get effed up, somebody who is willing to, for example, to take, if I know people who purchase adulterated pills, test them, find out they're adulterated, and, well, take, take them, them anyway. anyway. And I wouldn't do that, because I don't want to feel messed up. Mm-hmm. I, I want to feel the effects of MDMA. And experience that. Right. And uh, for me, it's it's kind of a spiritual experience. It's a you know very personal uh, experience, and I I feel like that's the to me that's one of the answers to the question, because the question that the scientist asks here is he says given the evidence, and it's it's pretty clear that there's evidence here, given the evidence for beneficial effect of LSD on treating alcoholism, it's puzzling why this treatment approach has been largely overlooked. And he would say that because he's coming from a scientific perspective. Hey, look, this stuff works. What's going on here? How, how come this isn't being looked into? How come this product isn't legal for use in these ways? Why? 
Well, my su- suggestion is you kind of alluded to it before. Uh, you described the the first time using LSD, and that you you get these insights insights into maybe what life is about or what the world is about or the universe or whatever big big insights that if asked at the time you wouldn't be able to verbalize and of course that makes sense right because our language is very limited language is, is limited by nature i mean you can only describe so well reality or whatever is beyond reality in language, in human words. But that doesn't mean that you can't have ideas transmitted to you, that uh, or that, that you can't receive ideas through some sort of chemical connection. I mean, I don't know if you want to say it opens up certain pathways that otherwise wouldn't well, be opened. Um I watched a really interesting National Geographic, I believe, documentary about LSD, and it was talking about the history and kind of just a lot of basic information about it. And they aren't quite 100% positive how exactly LSD works and that they're not really sure how some of the effects are caused. But I believe, and it's been a few years, so I'm going to try to describe this, and I could be a little off, but something like this. Uh, They said that... Basically, your brain, when you're perceiving things, your brain is taking in a certain amount of information per second. Mm -hmm. So let's just make up a number. Let's say it's 100. You're 100 uh, units per second. And when you take LSD, it opens up something in the frontal cortex that allows you to take in like five times that amount of information and process it. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's like your mind is just able to take in so much more information than as opposed to when you're sober and you normally can't you can't take take information. Well, and like maybe that. it's not so not, not necessarily well, well okay, that I can see where you're coming from, but also information that otherwise wouldn't be able to be taken in, right? Like information that to a normal consciousness wouldn't be visible, right. I say, or noticeable. And so to me, the answer to the question is why this approach, this approach for treatment has been largely overlooked is because of the other sort of the benefits, if you will, of LSD. Now, I'm not, again, I don't want to make it sound like I'm recommending people go out and do this. I think it, it can be it can be risky because you never know what you're going to get. You never know about uh, the doses. And if you are going to do this, because, again, we accept that people are going to alter their states of consciousness. We know that that's a very popular human activity. So I want to reduce people's harm. I recommend being very cautious with it. And that's how I've always been. I've never like I've never understood the people that are like, "Woo, let me take 15 hits." That's a terrible idea in my opinion. Uh, I read um a thread on on Blue Light, which is a drug forum and there's some interesting stuff in there and then there's some real idiots on there, so it's kind of a, like if I'm bored, I'll look at it. But there's an LSD section and somebody was talking about uh you know i'm i really seriously want to take 10 hits of acid what's what's that like oh my god and um somebody said that they have taken acid in that quantity and that you basically just black out i mean you don't remember it and i can understand that, that because dangerous i don't i'm not sure that it is um if you're blacked out that's dangerous well it's not like you're blacked out stumbling around i think if you took 10 hits of lsd you'd sit on the couch and you wouldn't be able to move much Maybe. I mean, that's just my opinion, but uh, the most acid I've ever taken is uh, four hits. And, I mean, we were functioning, but to be honest, uh, barely, you know. Wow. It's just a lot of craziness going on and a lot of strange thoughts. And, you know, I don't think I'd be able to walk down the street. I would just sit on my couch and, you know, zone out. Yeah, that doesn't sound like fun to me. And it sounds like a real bad idea. And, you know, when you start getting into 
the the illegal drug world, you're not necessarily around people that think, uh, well, you know, that, that are real cautious in some cases, just depending on who you're associating with. I'd say that so. is in the legal drug world, too, because people are not very cautious with alcohol all the yeah. time. But we laugh at that. Mm. You know, people laugh at the drunk person in the street. They laugh when you come to work. I do too. But, you know, when you come to work on Monday, it's inevitable that someone goes, oh, I got wasted last night. That's funny. Hangovers are funny. And and to me, they're not because I I view, you know, being that drunk and blacked out, that's like uh, an overdose, essentially. Absolutely. You've poisoned yourself. You've done too much. And, you know, that, but people think that's funny. So I rec- to me, uh, it's it makes sense to be cautious. Like if somebody gives me a hit of LSD, I'm likely going to take and you know cut it in half just to get some idea of what it is that I that I'm dealing with. Eight five five four fifty free. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. One eight five five four five zero three seven three three. But why has it been largely overlooked? I'd say it's because of some of the unusual conclusions that can be drawn uh, when under the influence that I think are particularly dangerous to those who are in the seats of power and who would like to keep us thinking certain, let's say, falsehoods. 855-450-FREE is the toll-free number. Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Shop.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, get a great deal, and a portion of your purchase goes to benefit Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon via shop.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. Bring up anything you want. Toll free at 855-453. It's the SACL CAI toll free line and you can join us uh, online as well over at freetalklive.com. We have the Shrine of Female Listeners there, which is dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send in their validated photo or video showing their listeners of this program or more than one photo. Uh, You can go to shrine.freetalklive.com and see them there. And if you're a lady listener, you can become part of the Shrine at shrine.freetalklive.com. Coming up in June, the 18th through the 24th, it's going to be the 2012 edition of the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Get together with other like-minded, liberty-oriented people all in the same campground in northern New Hampshire. It's an absolute blast. Unfortunately, Julia, you missed it last year. It was uh, just a rollicking good time. All kinds of people there, hundreds of people who love the ideas of freedom, all enjoying each other's company. And uh, and camping out and having you know just taking it easy for a week. Uh, there's you know the inevitable speeches and uh, discussions and musical performances and all kinds of fun stuff. Cookoffs. So go to porkfest.com. P o r c as in porcupine. P o r c f e s t dot com. You can get registered now, get the early bird discount, and get your ticket for porkfest. And go ahead and lock in your campground while you still can. Because there's a good chance that it may come it, – it came close – I think came close to selling out last year. Uh, it's a huge event. I know already the uh, the hotel is sold out because the camp, campsite has some hotel on yeah. the, the premises. That's sold out. All the cabins are sold out. So really all you've got left are either be at a hotel down the road somewhere, and there are some, or to camp out. 
And, of course, it's just a good time all around. So porkfest.com, P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T, brought to you by the Free State Project, which is, of course, your best chance at achieving liberty in your lifetime. And that's liberty across the board, although we've been focusing on the freedom to own yourself and put whatever you want in your body uh, tonight. David's on the line in Hawaii. David, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Julia. Hi, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, yeah, I wanted to talk about uh, psilocybin or mushrooms. Now, yes, um, I used to be in the military, and as you can imagine, that's a very stressful place. And uh, after putting about 10 years in, you know, you come back with some baggage, and you got some things going on between your ears. Um, what I noticed for me uh, when I would take mushrooms, um, one of the curious and beneficial side effects was afterwards, um, like I felt like I owned my thoughts a lot more. Um, the world wasn't so overwhelming. And I was recently validated in that because I was um, following some studies and they're actually using um, mushrooms as a way to help soldiers with PTSD. Really? Okay. I feel like I'd heard that. I know I know for sure I've heard it with MDMA, uh, which is commonly yeah. known as ecstasy. But that's interesting. So mushrooms are also working with that. Indeed. Um, yeah, it, it was the most, like I said, the most curious side effect because it's like you just take a deep breath like, okay, let's run it through. You, you take the mushrooms and they run our course. Okay, then you resume to your normal uh, cognitive state. And what's not there, at least for me, it was like the world didn't feel as overwhelming. You know, tasks seemed a lot simpler. And it, it just felt like I had myself again. Wow. That's so, pretty I mean, significant. <laughs> absolutely. And, but who's going to make money off of that? You know, the, the pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical companies, um, you know, it's going to be taboo and you can't tax that. And, Isn't you know, it? Much- I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to ask you because you brought up an interesting point about the pharmaceutical companies. And I believe that I've heard that they can't patent something that like grows or is natural. Is that true? I've, I've actually heard the, the same content. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. You, if you can't put a patent on it, then you can't make money off it. So. But that's such nonsense because uh, obviously tobacco companies are making plenty of money off of tobacco plants. So that's a crappy excuse, in my opinion. And maybe their excuse, and maybe they really believe it, but the idea that you can't patent something means you can't make money. If you just look at uh, the clothing industry, you can't patent clothing designs, and people make money on that, too. Right. Um, But tobacco industries, they don't have a tobacco – they don't have a patent, but they certainly have uh, some power, like ties with the government to allow them sure. uh, to be like the kings of it. Am I incorrect? Well, I'm right. I mean, the, the regulations uh, prevent people from jumping into that business and, and competing. That's true. But on the other hand, uh, there's plenty of things out there that you don't really have – that aren't nearly as regulated, like, you know, hamburgers you know, or, or whatever. I mean, there, there are other things that aren't as regulated. I know there's pro-USDA and other things involved in hamburgers. But my point being that I'm sorry. That, that that's a nonsense excuse to me. Okay, and I, I think part of it too could, could also be that you know if we're all good, happy drones sitting down watching our TV, you know, um, we're good tax slaves, you know. And if if a side effect of something like mushrooms can can help you become more independent and own yourself and own your time and ask questions that other people aren't asking. 
that could, you know, that could be a motive for um, keeping the tax place happy. Thanks for sharing that, David. Anything else on your mind tonight? That's all I got, guys. Great Appreci- show. Appreciate hearing from you. 855-450-FREE. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And, you know, if you think about it, if uh, cannabis, for instance, was, was made legal, yeah, anybody can grow cannabis. But on the other hand, if you, for instance, you look out at uh, L.A., there was like a thousand cannabis dispensaries out there until the L.A. city government or county government decided to pass a law saying that they could only be located in certain locations. So for a while, there was just un- completely unbridled competition and everything was fine. You know, There's, yeah. competition is, is fine uh, if you actually let it happen. Uh, so since he brought up psilocybin, I was actually just looking here at uh, another news story which is pretty fresh. It just was published about two weeks ago called Scientists Explore Hallucinogen Treatments for PTSD and Sex Abuse Victims. And in this particular article, it says here UCLA researchers reported that psilocybin, which is found naturally in certain mushrooms, kids, don't go out and just pick mushrooms and eat them. Very dangerous. Yes. Very dangerous. Uh, can ease end-of-life anxiety in cancer patients when administered in carefully controlled and monitored sessions. Similar studies are currently under the way, uh, underway at Johns Hopkins, New York University, and Harvard. The word psychedelic literally means mind manifesting. And psycho, uh, psychologist Neil Goldsmith authored Psychedelic Healing, a survey of the many uses for these powerful psychoactive drugs. According to Goldsmith, some psychedelics have proved helpful in couples therapy and as aids to meditation and other spiritual practices. He says, from my perspective, psychedelics bring us awareness that our deepest, truest nature is healthy, whole, perfect, and loving. So it's an interesting time now where we are rediscovering our spiritual natures through a scientific method. And I completely agree with that particular perspective, which is basically going back to what I was suggesting is the reason why these drugs are illegal, a lot of them. I'm not saying that, by the way, we're only talking about psychedelics here, also known as entheogens, uh, but not heroin. Heroin does not count. Talking about things like psilocybin, LSD. I think that uh, the status quo, the powers that be, if you will, they don't want people to do these things. Because if people start coming to the realization, as Neil Goldsmith suggests here, and that is that our nature is healthy, whole, perfect, and loving, well, how can we have war? How can the government have war? How can the government divide people? How can the government get away with this idea of you know, this false division saying, oh, well, those people on the other side of that imaginary line over there called the border, those people are bad people. How can they get away with that? You know, that reminds me of that. Uh, you can watch it on YouTube, but there's that clip of the uh, British sci- or the British military doing oh, LSD. The British troops on LSD. Uh, yeah. They actually administered it without letting them know, and they put them out into the field. <laughs> and, uh, you know, within an hour, they said one of them was climbing the trees and trying to feed the birds, right. and they were laughing, and, and they just couldn't, oh, they couldn't hold it together. They didn't want to go after what, you know, their their target for the day was all of a sudden the war maneuvering was not important to them and i think some people would say you know like well that's just because they're messed up but but i think a lot of these articles no i think it's messed up when you go around killing i agree no i'm saying i think they're messed up like they're they're uh, effed up oh i know i know what you're saying you're saying that people think that they're messed up because of the the drugs and i'm telling you and they're saying that's why they couldn't fight or you know finish their duties Right, and I'm saying it's the reverse. It's true. I agree. You agree. 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 
So as long as they keep these illegal to keep them out of people's hands and keep them from realizing these things. Free Talk Live. We wouldn't be where we are without our amplifiers. Their $3 per month helps us spread Free Talk Live and gets them access to perks at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up anything you want. The toll-free number here is 855-453. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website. Still to come here tonight, we don't necessarily have to talk about drugs. I've just been hoarding some stories uh, because I know that Julia is passionate about this particular issue. But also, a man has set himself on fire. We'll tell you about that. Uh, Pink Slime, there's an update on that story, which was huge on social media about a couple few weeks ago. So we'll give you the latest on Pink Slime. 855-450-FREE is the number here tonight. But we have been talking about psychedelic drugs and and, and pathogens and theogens, these uh, drugs. Not the heroin, meth kind of drugs, but uh, more MDMA uh, LSD, psilocybin, which is the active ingredient in magic mushrooms, and how that there are some really significant scientific studies that show these things can be really useful to help people with significant trauma and serious, I mean, mental trauma, and like in the form of PTSD or in the form of alcoholism, where you've got a, pr- a pretty serious disorder that is affecting your life. That these drugs can help. And in addition to that, when this stuff gets reported. Sometimes it's reported in a very mm, – in, in kind of a fashion that is designed to – I don't know. I'm not sure what, what word I'm looking for here. To, uh, to insult the idea that uh, these drugs could be helpful, like where the media just kind of looks at it askance. What? You know what makes me kind of chuckle? And it's not even funny, but whenever somebody who try, like is a drug warrior tries to tell me – that I shouldn't do drugs or something about drugs in general and how bad they are. What do you know about drugs? You know what I mean? Like The drug warrior. Right. They don't understand drugs. They don't understand drug culture. Like the majority of them only know what they've heard on TV and it scares them. But there is so much to be learned about all different kinds of drugs. So don't you dare tell me what I shouldn't do when I know way more than you. Mm. You know, I don't know anything about Hunting. So I'm not going to advise you on hunting. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell me something in which you know nothing about. So here's one example, by the way, and uh, of how some of the media handles these, these reports. From StopTheDrugWar.org. In medical practice, the term drug abuse is typically understood to describe habitual consumption with harmful consequences to the user. Would you say, Julia, that you've uh, abused drugs? I have. You have? Yep. And you knew, right, that you were abusing it. Yeah. So it's habitual consumption with harmful consequences to the user. You're orienting a good portion of your life around well, acquiring and using right. drugs. And and the interesting thing, I guess, you know, to, to point out about my abuse is that I abused, uh, I've abused MDMA pretty heavily um, in the past. And even still, I was working 50 hours a week. You know what I mean? So my drug mm-hmm. use was on my days off. It wasn't, you know, it didn't affect me from living still. 
So it wasn't like. But it did affect you physically and it did affect you financially. Yes. And it also affected me emotionally, which I guess technically is mentally uh, for a while afterwards. But I recovered. You know, there was definitely a recovery period and I'm fine. Better than ever. Well, uh, you did tell me that you sneeze differently now. Yes. That's, yes. Do not, what's the official word for that? Insufflate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Lots of MDMA because it is not good for your nose. It's probably not a good idea to insufflate a whole lot of anything. I would agree. Occasional. If you want, if you really need to do that, make it a, make it a treat. Uh, But when it comes to illegal substances, the press routinely and ignorantly calls it full-blown drug abuse. Even if you just try the substance one time. Here's the latest example from a CBS News story about LSD. They say in the story, quote, in 2009, the last time data was taken, 779,000 Americans aged 12 and older said they had abused LSD at least once in the previous year. LSD? They had abused, this is the term the media is using, yeah. to describe taking LSD at least one time. Wow. As abuse. Man, when I was 18 or 19, I took LSD on a weekly basis for a couple months. Would you have described that as abuse? No, not at all. It was great. We would, uh, it was my mom worked every Tuesday and me and my uh, boyfriend at the time and and someone else, I don't want to throw his name under the bus. No reason for that. No. Uh, we would we would all just clean the house Monday night, so we'd have the house completely spotless, because when you're on LSD, clean environments are nice. And then in the morning, we would wake up early, and we would take it, and we would have fun all day, and then my mom would come home, and it was business as back to usual, and we would we would go to bed, and it was, you know, it wasn't... I would call that habitual, but not necessarily yeah. abuse. If it's not affecting, you know, as we were talking with uh, Rich Paul earlier tonight about alcoholism, it's not really alcoholism until it's affecting you in a negative manner. No, it was right? a blast. I mean, so, but to suggest that it's abuse to take LSD once in a year? Yeah, that's crazy. Just so gives you an idea of how skewed. What do they approve uh, if you take it half half a time? It's not abuse. Like, what, at what point? It would always it just, be abuse. It's just always abuse, right? Because LSD is bad, according to the you know the mainstream news media. So now, uh, this is Scott Morgan over at StopTheDrugWar.org. I have a feeling that very few of these 779,000 people would consider themselves drug abusers. It says right there if you only had, that you only had to drop acid one time in 09 to get counted. And as far as I'm concerned, doing acid one time doesn't make you much of a drug abuser. If it did, then we'd have to come up with a whole new term for some of the people I've had the good fortune of encountering at Burning Man, or for that matter, Liberal Arts College. But as silly as all of this is, it gets worse when you take the context into account. The above quote, tragically, is actually the last line contained in this otherwise interesting article, which is CBS News's piece about El- about LSD possibly helping with alcoholism treatment, or looks like definitely helping with alcoholism treatment. They point out that their article goes on for several paragraphs about renewed scientific interest in the therapeutic benefits of LSD, only to conclude by implying idiotically that every single LSD user in the country is a drug abuser. Did it not occur to the author that some, perhaps a substantial portion of the people using LSD were doing so for the same sort of therapeutic purposes being studied by these scientists? If the drug is in fact beneficial, then maybe, just maybe, people could be using it for its benefits rather than as part of a pattern of abuse. Seriously, he says, this isn't even complicated. If CBS News has a hard time grasping the concept of beneficial, non-abusive drug use, my first recommendation would be to reread the first eight paragraphs of their own article. 
You know, and LSD is a is a drug that I feel like is abused the least. You know, it's one of the drugs that isn't doesn't have really a reputation for serious abuse because you take acid once, you don't want run to take it the next day. I mean, it's pretty mentally draining. You need a to, a good night of rest after taking LSD. Well, for me, it, it's I'd rather have a lot more time than just one night in between because drugs like that aren't special if you do them a lot. I agree. So I think it's interesting to you know to, to look at how this is portrayed, right? In the same article as outlining clear scientific benefits of this drug, they take a, sh- a parting shot at it and a parting shot at it. Like, I guess the idea might be that if you're using it without a doctor's recommendation, it must be abuse. Yeah. You know what's funny about that is I don't trust doctors and their drug information at all. Well, they're just human beings. I mean, they're going to make mistakes. Right, and they don't. I mean, drugs is not a. It's not a common subject that a lot of people know. You know, a lot about, and I think it's not something where they give accurate information in medical school. And I, I don't trust doctors' opinions on drugs at all. When I, I don't want to hash out the entire story, but I took you, if it's okay, if I say this. Oh, sure, we've talked about this. Yep, I took you to the uh, emergency room once After because I'd of a over way yep, too long because of a bad experience with drugs. Actually, the experience with drugs was great, but then afterwards, um, you know, you had stayed up for a few days and you went insane, That's literally. Right. Uh, and I had to take you to the hospital. And when you know they, they were asking me all kinds of questions about whether or not we'd had done drugs, and when I said, well, you know, I was honest because I wanted them to be able to help you. Mm-hmm. And he said, I said, MDMA. And he said, MDMA, what's that? <laughs> and MDMA is the scientific name for the drug. And if you don't know... It's the acronym for it, but yes. Right. But if, you, like, as a doctor, if you don't even know what the name of the chemical is, Especially as you a doctor can't who's treating people yeah. with that. Um, and he wrote out a report, which I got later, and he actually quoted me as I saying... I had taken LSD that night, though. MD, or MDVA, or MVMA is what right. he wrote. And like he quoted me, like she claims they did MVMA, whatever that is. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. LSD as well, yes, but right. but he did, he knew what that was. He didn't know what the MDMA was. Toll free number here, and MDMA, by the way, is what the third most popular drug in America. Yes, is that, is in that the true? world, I think. Alcohol, cannabis, and MDMA. Yeah. Correct. Eight five five. So I, that he wouldn't MDMA know. MDMA is the most popular drug, second to marijuana, in the world. Recreationally used, right? So that that I mean, that popular of a drug, he wouldn't know. I mean, it would be one thing if he hadn't heard of some obscure research chemical. Yeah, five meo dipt. Yeah, eight five five four fifty three is the SACL CAI toll free line. We've got a full hour remaining here, plenty of time for you and your thoughts. Coming up, pink slime. What's the latest on that? A man sets himself on fire. What for? We'll explain. Of course, you can bring up anything next. Free talk line. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. Live, and we're launching into the third hour of the program. You are invited to take control of the airwaves, bring up anything you want at 855-453. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and you can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. We invite you there to enjoy the features. You can actually control the content 
Submit different things to the site and then vote up or down on the various different items there. And the most voted up, make it to the front page and top of the website at freetalklive.com. Here with you in the studio, it's Ian. And Julia. And, of course, you can bring up whatever's on your mind. We've kind of been focused on, uh, for, the, for most of the show, on various different news about uh, drugs that are illegal and how it is they could be helpful in a number of different ways with certain uh, treating maladies and uh, diseases and addictions and things like that. Uh, very interesting stuff. If you missed that, you can always go and grab the archive over at freetalklive.com. We'll change gears, though, here and uh, go to a bit of a different story about a police officer. This one. Now, normally when you hear about the cops on Free Talk Live, it has to do with them abusing somebody. Uh, because I think that those sorts of stories don't get the, the kind of play that they deserve in the media. And I want to do what I can to help get the word out about police abuse. But this is not one of those stories. This is a bit of a different uh, police officer related story. So uh, there's a, a photo involved here, which obviously it's radio. I can't show it to you. But of course, later on, you can go to bbs.freetalklive.com. You'll be able to see the articles that we uh, we're talking about, and then you'll see this this photo. Uh, but Julia, you can uh, take a look at this uh, this photo. It's a man with a lawnmower. Uh, he's mowing the lawn. He's wearing some you know some tight kind of uh, underwear looking pants. They look like boxer briefs. boxer briefs. Yeah, that's the those are the terms I were we're looking for. He's got a t shirt on. It's that, hot. Nice legs. It's hot outside. Yeah, he's, he's you know he's he's pretty uh, pretty well built. He's pushing that mower around and getting his lawn all mowed up. Well, it turns out, according to Carlos Miller from Photography is Not a Crime, who's a great guy, by the way, got a chance to meet him at the Liberty Forum this year, at carlosmiller.com, police can shoot people, tase people, pepper spray people, harass people, steal from people, lie to people, and arrest people on unlawful charges, and they still get to keep their jobs. In fact, as we've seen here, having covered police abuse stories for years on this program, in a lot of cases, not only do they get to keep their job, but they get per, uh, they get promotions. They'll get awards. They get a new pin because they've hurt people. However, then you come across a law enforcement officer in Tennessee who has mowed his lawn in his boxer briefs, and he is quickly dismissed. Now, granted, Bradley County Deputy Dallas Longwith has been warned about this behavior on a previous occasion before a cell phone photo emerged, showing the deputy mowing his lawn in boxer briefs a second time. Longwith denies doing it on a second time, and it's not clear from the article whether they had solid proof of when the photo was taken. Now, according to Carlos Miller, I don't find men in their underwear visually stimulating, but I've seen more scantily clad men on South Beach, so I really don't see the issue here. Unlike many officers who get to keep their jobs after a long string of abuses against citizens, Longwith had no write-ups or even reprimands in his file. I mean, by all indications, this guy was one of the better cops. And he was doing it on his own time, out of uniform, if that part wasn't obvious. Longwith is now cooking at a local restaurant but would like to return to law enforcement. But with a name like Dallas Longwith and a penchant for working in his underwear, perhaps he has a future in pornography. This according to Carlos Miller, carlosmiller.com. So fired from his job as a police officer for mowing the lawn in boxing. You know, breaks. if you're saying that he didn't have much of a record or anything like that, I wonder if maybe it was just a political move, like they wanted him out for some other reason, like maybe he was too nice, you know, not a bad enough cop, because it seems like the bad ones rise to the top pretty easily. It, it certainly does seem that way, and that's that's interesting speculation. Uh, maybe that's the case. 
It just seems weird. But that... it sure makes him look bad either way. I mean, whatever their motivations yeah. are for getting rid of him. Really? You're going to fire a guy because he mowed the lawn in his boxer briefs? It's hot when you're mowing the lawn. It is hot when you're mowing the lawn. Now, I can understand, like, if you've got, the, if you've got a lawnmower, sometimes those things can throw rocks. It could be dangerous to, to mow the lawn without some sort of protection, like some pants on. Yeah. It could be dangerous. But I don't think I wore long pants when I ever mowed my lawn in Florida. Yeah, but you probably wore shorts. That's what I'm saying. I mean, when they throw rocks, they throw them at your ankles. Well, they don't throw them up at your, uh, you know, up I think, at your crotch. You know, I think a lot of this has to do with, um, you know, people are really weird about material. Right, like, right. If I wore a bra outside, people would be more offended than if I wore a bikini. <gasps> mm-hmm. Right? Why? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. But people are very oddly offended by what they believe to be certain articles of clothing, even if the material could cover less. You know, like, mm. if, I don't know if that makes sense, but like, I could, there's certain. I get what you're saying. It doesn't make any sense, but like, I get what you're saying. I feel if he wore jean cutoffs that were that short, people would not have reacted <laughs> the same way. Yeah, you know they would still laugh right. and they would say "ew, haha." You know, there's an old man walking around in his short shorts, but people would not react the same way. They say, "Oh, he's in his underwear," but I'm looking at it and it's not too, you know, it's not really revealing, and it's not like he he's just mowing the lawn. So you're just kind of watching him walk by the side view, or or the lawnmower is in front of him. It's not like he's standing he's on the lawn, grabbing his showing crotch. his bulge, you yeah. know. Right. So I think people are just weird about underwear. This again, uh, now that was uh, Carlos Miller's piece. There's another version over from the Chattanooga Times Free Press. Now, what was the reason that they dismissed him? The official reason? Conduct unbecoming an officer. And according to the story, he... But tasering old ladies is becoming of an officer? Right. The charges were filed against him. Excuse me. No charges were filed against him. Well, duh, because he didn't break any laws. Just mowing his damn lawn. And uh, it says here that uh, the Tennessee Peace Officer Standards and Training Commission was to decertify along with as a police officer. According to the department who'd asked for them to do that, they'd set a hearing for Thursday in Nashville. The department withdrew its request. He has no reprimand or even a warning in his personnel file. And according to government bureaucrats uh, Jim Hodgson from the police department, we do expect higher standards from anyone who's going to work for the sheriff's department. Really? So what are the specs? Do they give you that information before you become a cop? Like, okay, guys, if you're ever mowing the lawn, you've got to make sure that you don't have underwear on or you have to have some sort of jeans or what? And how are you even supposed to know this stuff? You know what bothers me about this the most? If someone had a problem with this, go to your neighbor and say, you know, you're in your underwear. It really bothers me. Right. I, it could. It, would you do me a favor and just put on some short shorts instead? Like the the police and the government in general, they do this with all kinds of organizations. They make it so that confrontation isn't necessary, and people use them as a go between instead of being a good neighbor and in going fact, to talk to them you, instead. You nailed it spot on. The dispute began in 2011 uh, in August with a neighbor's complaint. Longwith says he knows a neighbor, and the man's father knew Longwith was in law enforcement and asked him to keep an eye on the son who has a criminal history. Uh, State Representative Eric Watson, a captain at the sheriff's office at the time, uh, with and his immediate supervisor, in, investigated the first complaint, and the person making the complaint refused to even come to the department and file a written statement. So this is just some prude 
or somebody you know down the street who doesn't like him because he's a cop and doesn't have the nerve to talk to, to him to come over and say hey could you put some pants on please but it sounds to me like that's not what they really wanted they wanted him to get in trouble yeah so that if you want to hurt your neighbor then that's what the police are there for right if that's what zoning and code enforcement is there for if you don't like your neighbor for some reason you can sick the guns of government on them and force them to behave in the way that you want or at least try to get them in trouble and punish them because you don't like them not necessarily because you really care about the fact that their uh, daisies have grown too tall or that their house was painted a different color but simply because you don't like them for some reason and i think it's sad it is sad and I think you're right. It, it drives a wedge in between communities and it uh, destroys relationships that people sh- should or could have with their neighbors. And it prevents folks from uh, from coming to their own agreements on their own time. I went to jail over this before where I just wanted my neighbor to come talk to me like a neighbor about an issue that they had with my tenants. But no, they refused to. They just wanted to hide behind the code enforcement department and the police department. Eight. Well, of course, it turns out she actually worked for the city. 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can take control of the airwaves. We're talking about the police, but also in the news, a, well, some judges, really bad judges, plus pink slimes on the way. You can take control. It's Free Talk Live. The successes are piling up and proving the Free State Project is a real movement and no longer just a great idea. When you're planning your move to New Hampshire, consider Keene. Keene is famous for its civil disobedience and non-cooperation, and there's plenty of political opportunity as well. Though it's more than just activism, with regular social events each week. See what's happening at freekeen.com and get connected with video, audio, one of the busiest liberty forums in New Hampshire, and more at freekeen.com. That's freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Toll-free number here, 855-453. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features that await you there uh, for free. We've got the news updates. You can get signed up. Follow us via email, Twitter, Facebook, and be kept in the loop as to what's going on with Free Talk Live. You'll know it first if you're on the news updates list at news.freetalklive.com. That's news.freetalklive.com. Now, have you ever been the victim of an injustice and decided to to do nothing about it because you just can't afford an attorney? Or maybe you don't like attorneys. uh, Jurisdictionary.com is the course for people who don't have attorneys, and it arms you with the information on how to use the court's rules. If you don't know those rules, you might as well be fighting in the dark. It works for plaintiffs or defendants in civil or criminal matters in state or federal courts. It costs less than an hour with any good attorney. And the four-CD course is so easy, the average eighth grader can do it in a weekend. Jurisdictionary.com. You can go there, get their free stuff like the tips and tactics newsletters, weekly uh, excuse me, weekly newsletters, free legal dictionary, free videos. And, of course, you can buy the course at Jurisdictionary.com and use their pull-down menu. Let them know you heard about it from Free Talk Live. Jurisdictionary.com. And since we're talking about court, uh, there's – let's see. Cracked.com has a piece – on the five real judges who put the most evil supervillain to shame. They say it's one thing for a judge to be corrupt. We sort of expect that to happen in all public jobs because we watch the news. It's quite another for judges to be hilarious lunatics, criminally lazy schemers, or just impossibly evil. Yet it happens, and more often than you'd think. Well, 
if you don't go to court very often. If you've been to court before, you probably know how corrupt these guys can be. Number five. Judge Mark Ciravella, or Civarella earned his nickname Mr. Zero Tolerance because he was a firm believer in giving harsh sentences to juvenile delinquents, even if all they did was slap a friend who slapped them first, or take their mom's car for a joyride. And if he made himself disgustingly and if he made himself disgustingly and illegally rich while doing so, well, that was just the icing on top of a delicious cake made from the suffering of thousands of kids. While sitting on the bench as a juvenile court judge in Luzerne County, Pennsylvania, Civarella personally sent thousands of children to a local detention center. One 10-year-old girl was sentenced to one degrading, horrifying month in the center for accidentally setting her house on fire while playing with a lighter, even though the landlord didn't want to press charges. An 11-year-old got nearly two years for taking out his mother's car and driving it over a curb. She only reported it because of the insurance. And a 14-year-old got three months for making fun of a teacher on MySpace. Most of the kids didn't have lawyers, and their hearings often lasted less than two minutes. Wow. Because most kids and most parents don't know jack about their rights. They don't know anything about it. They just want to go in and get it over with. They want to go in and minimize the damage that the bureaucrats are going to do. But when you're in front of a psychopath, somebody who's a, a sociopath who just is just completely unconcerned for your well-being and only really concerned for his career – and the you know the health the financial health of the court system, you don't know what you're going to get. Maybe you know maybe you'll get lucky. You'll get a judge with his head screwed on somewhat straight and get a a fine and be able to walk out the door. Not always, and certainly not in this guy's case. Judge Severella always claimed he was doing it for the good of the kids, but it turns out that kids was just a code word for the condo in Florida that he bought thanks to those sentences. You see, Civarella had a special arrangement with the owners of the private detention center that he sent all those kids to. For each kid that ended up there, he would receive a generous kickback from the facility, which in time would accrue to upwards of a million dollars. This went on for years, and at some point he had to look at himself in the mirror and wonder if life was just an 80s movie and he was the main villain. Eventually, Civarella's method became too obvious for the courts to ignore. His convention, convictions rather, went from 4 to 5% when he took office in 1997 to 26% by 2004. He was sentenced to 27 years in prison, but not before causing around 4,000 previous convictions to be overturned. Previously, we would have taken a page from his colleague, Judge Michael Siconetti, below and thrown him into the juvenile center for 30 hours with those 4,000 kids. Number four. Judge Carol Feynman had a pretty comfortable job at the New York Civil Court in Brooklyn until jury duty called, or excuse me, until duty called, and she was assigned to help out with a heavy backlog of criminal cases in the Bronx. For whatever reason, Feynman wasn't pleased with the move, which most judges would consider a promotion. Maybe she thought the quality of life in her new neighborhood wasn't as good as in Brooklyn. Naturally, she decided to deal with this by intentionally making the Bronx more dangerous than it was before she got there. Since asking her bosses to send her back to the cushier post wouldn't look very good, Feynman took a more subtle route. She set out to prove that she sucked at her new job more than anyone on the entire planet. Unfortunately, said job was being a criminal judge, and as such, her plan involved letting dangerous criminals go free with, ridiculous, with increasingly ridiculous sentences. In one case, she re- released a self-professed career criminal after he left traces of his DNA on a church safe that he had robbed because she claimed that he was too clever to be caught. In her own words, quote, I think his past history would indicate that if he were to commit a burglary, he would be smart enough to wear gloves. 
Another criminal was lucky enough to land in Feynman's court after being captured by the police when his victim fought back and wrestled his gun away. Judge Feynman took one look at the victim and decided he didn't look bad enough to overpower his attacker, setting the criminal free on those grounds. Not only did she call an innocent man a wimp and a liar, she also knowingly released a man who less than a month earlier had been arrested for weapons possession and had prior arrests for gang violence and drugs, but, you know, Brooklyn. When the media approached her for a comment on the recent decisions, she proved what a classy lady she really was by stating, Get the F away from me or I'm calling the police. The police, however, weren't big fans of Judge Feynman either. One officer stated that the only thing she should decide is what to have for lunch. (laughs) Feynman's negligence eventually got the attention of her superiors and as punishment for doing the exact opposite of her job, they gave her exactly what she wanted. She was quietly transferred back to the Brooklyn Civil Court, a move that another Bronx detective described as good news for the Bronx and bad news for the people of Brooklyn. But you notice that she still gets to keep her job. She sure did. You know, if she if she got a pay cut, it was, you know, from some ridiculous amount to some less but still ridiculous amount. Right. What would happen if you were at your job doing not what you were instructed to do as your job, like? If you weren't doing, if you were doing everything but, like totally goofing off or actually sabotaging the workplace, I mean, they're not going to get let you keep your job. You're no. not just going to get a write up. No, <laughs> hey, you're going to lose your job. But this is and the system. A judge pay, even for civil court, is still good pay. Yeah, I don't think there's I, any. Pay I was going to try to guess, but I couldn't. You know, I'm, I would say six figures. You don't. Well, hmm, depends. If it's New York, probably six figures. Yeah. If it's just small town USA, nah, 75, 80. That's a lot of money. For a lo- for most people, being a judge would be very good pay. Yeah. For a lawyer, being a judge is a pay cut. I mean, a good lawyer is going to make a whole lot more money than a judge, which is why good lawyers don't become judges for the most part. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, there's more here from Crack.com on the th- uh, five real judges who they say put the most evil supervillains to shame. We'll continue this piece here in a moment. Of course, you're welcome to share your stories. There's certainly no no shortage of bad judge experiences out there. We've got plenty of them right from here in our very own Keene, New Hampshire. Eight Vecta, some of our friends are going to court tomorrow. Jason Talley from Talley.tv. Derek J. from uh, uh, Tuesday nights on Free Talk Live will be in court. So we'll hear more from Derek tomorrow about that. 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-855-450-3733. More bad judges on the way. Plus an update on Pink Slime. If we get a chance, it's Free Talk Live. You can listen to Free Talk Live on the radio via podcast, the webcam, and our live streams at freetalklive.com. Not enough options? Now you can listen to Free Talk Live from any phone, anywhere. Add this number to your phone, 760-569-7752. It's a long-distance call, so make sure you're familiar with your phone's calling plan. The Free Talk Live listen lines are airing the latest episode of Free Talk Live 24 hours a day, including our live shows. Call 760-569-7752. That's 760-569-7752. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind at 855-453. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And you can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. We invite you there to enjoy the various features that await you. We've got listening options. 
which include live streams. We've got three different size streams, bit rates, different bit rates. One is a narrow band, one mid band, one broadband. Different uh, sizes for different internet connection speeds. Our radio listening options include over 100 great FM and AM radio stations across the country. Our satellite listening choices include XM satellite radio. And we, by the way, are on seven days a week on XM, different, two different channels up there. Our KU band satellite channel, which is free to, uh, free to air, as it is called. The webcam and the listen lines that allow you to listen via any phone that can dial long distance. You can go to listen.freetalklive.com to learn more about the, uh, those options. That's listen.freetalklive.com. And bitcoins are the world's first potentially anonymous digital cash. And with bitcoins, there are no contracts to sign or terms of service by which to abide Anyone can get involved in this. You don't have to beg any centralized government's permission, jump through any kind of a Patriot Act process or you know, do it all this nonsense you have to do to open a bank account. You just go and get the Bitcoin client, set it up, and get started. You can learn how over at weusecoins.org. Weusecoins.org. Julia, are you, are you running a Bitcoin client yet? Um, what do you mean? Are you, are, are you into it? I know you were looking into it. I have some Bitcoins. Okay, you have started. Okay, yes. very good. Uh, thanks to BitInstant.com, by the way, you can get your first Bitcoins in less than an hour by depositing cash at any major bank. Buy your Bitcoins with cash over at bitinstant.com. Now, did you find it difficult at all to, you know, get into, like to get started with the Bitcoin? No, I mean, it's, you need to read about it. And even still, it's a slightly difficult concept for me to grasp. You know, I'm not 100%. But there's a bit of a learning curve. There is a learning curve. Uh, you can read about it. Um, it's not hard to, to download a bit tor- a Bitcoin client or anything like that. Not at all. So once again, go to weusecoins.org to learn more. We'll get back to corrupt judges here in a moment. First, Allison's on the line listening in Illinois. You're on Free Talk Live, Allison. I think you're listening to Monster Radio 1150. Yes, I am. Hi, how are you guys? Hey, great. What's on your mind tonight? Well, first of all, I just wanted to say that I'm really excited to be on on air right now because I started listening to you guys as I came home from uh, my graduate school commute. So after I get institutionalized, I come home and detox, which is really nice. Cause <laughs> I have about half an hour drive, and and it's very helpful. It, it's um, appreciative that you guys um, have a lot of ideas that are neither conservative nor liberal. So it keeps me on my toes and keeps me and my arguments articulated uh, very well. So I really like that, and I appreciate it. Well, super. Glad you're out there. Go ahead with your thoughts tonight. Okay, I had a comment about the LSD uh, using using that for alcoholism withdrawal, and um, I have I have an issue with it, but it's not necessarily because um, LSD should be illegal or uh, you know recreational use for uh, illicit drugs or anything like that. Because um, as a health professional, I see um, I don't have a personal vendetta against. Um, LSD or any other illicit drugs, like Julia had mentioned, there is a very distinct um, decision between recreational use and abuse and just getting messed up. Mm -hmm. So my argument for um, prescribing this for abusers, for um, alcoholism patients to use in the privacy of their own home is that they already cannot make that distinction of use and abuse because they wouldn't already be alcoholics to begin with. So you have a psychological issue where they've already desensitized themselves to what is normal and what is not normal. 
So that would be my argument for why this was never touched to begin with, because you're essentially just replacing one drug with another. And if there's no control, which I see that as, you know, as an experiment and in a controlled setting, I can see where this would be very effective. But you take it outside of that controlled experiment and put it into the, the person's home, I can see where the abuse will just be a lateral change. Um, I have two two comments on that. First of all, um, alcohol is not only a mental addiction, but it's also a physical addiction. The physical withdrawal symptoms from alcohol can can kill you. I mean, it's really bad. So uh, LSD certainly doesn't have any physical addic- physically addictive qualities. Um, and then my second point would be that L- the experience of LSD is such a profound one. Um, it's, I would say that in a, most cases, it's unlikely that a user would want to use it the next day. So what you're saying is it doesn't translate. Having an addiction right, like to alcohol I don't think that, is not the I same. see what she's saying, and I think maybe that could be the case for some people. Well, I, I, I see what she's saying, too. And I think the point that has been made in these studies is that it's important to have a, like a psychiatrist or, or somebody that can go along with you and, and, and right. you know, use these in controlled circumstances. And, and I, I see what you're saying, and I definitely think some people could fall into that category. But I think that they are not even the same kind of drug. And that I think that there are alcoholics that could do it on their own that wouldn't have the same habits with the LSD. Well, right, especially because of the insights that could possibly be gleaned, as some of these people have reported. Uh, I guess, Allison, a question that's relevant is, have you ever used LSD? Oh, for me? Yes. No, I have not. Got it. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> no, not so to say I have you... no understanding of what, what goes on in the mind. I've... No. I've uh, tried marijuana recreationally, and I'm a casual drinker and mm-hmm. things like that. But, um, but I just know of I do know alcoholics and abusers, and I just don't see where they're. I don't. I wouldn't have the confidence for them to be able to wean themselves off of um, alcohol. Understood, and you may be absolutely right. I mean, I, you you know you might be absolutely right that. Using uh, LSD to treat alcoholism is the most e- probably going to be the most effective under the close guidance of a professional. I mean, that makes the most sense to me. I don't know if anybody's suggesting that like it's going like to get to the point. Like a rehab type if situation. In if, I'm sorry. If, if somebody was in an in-house treatment, I would say that that should absolutely be an option. Mm-hmm. But without that close supervision of a doctor, I just don't think that it would be appropriate to allow that for the masses for that to be a medicinal approach to I don't like for that, that use of the word allow well right well, okay so so there's there's a way that could be more effective and there's a way that could be maybe not as effective but I mean on this on this show we're really big on the idea of freedom to choose and so right. It, you know, I get where Julia's coming from, where she's frustrated by this. And of course, you are going to medical school, so it, it figures that uh, that you'd come from that from that perspective. But the idea being that I don't think there needs to be any uh, doctors having control over these things. If you want help from a doctor, go to a doctor, get help from that doctor. That's fine. Follow his recommendations, or don't, or go to a different one and get their recommendations and pick which one, which ones you like the best. But uh, people should be free to make that choice. If I want to choose to medicate myself, then I should be free to do that, don't you think? Self-medication is already that argument for alcoholism. So I don't... Somewhat. <laughs> I'm going to say that that's... Uh, it's, it's definitely up for debate. 
Well, I see where where you're saying it's up for debate, but to me, it's it's not a debate because it's my body, and I should be able to choose what I put into it. In fact, I already do choose what I put into it. It's just that because of the black market that's created a prohibition, it makes it more difficult, uh, it makes it more dangerous to to make these choices in the absence of prohibition. And by the way, I'm including uh, prescription drugs in this in this discussion. In the absence of these controls then we would just simply have voluntary consensual interactions between humans. You would still have problems with addiction, but at least then you wouldn't have, uh, say, addicts of uh, oxycodone going and paying $20 a pill on the black market and having to steal from other people's homes and rob people at uh, you know knife point in order to get the money that they need to buy the pills that, uh, that they're going to buy anyway. I would rather have somebody be able to walk into a Walgreens and get a bottle full of uh, oxycodone for 10 bucks rather than have to pay 20 bucks a pill on the black market because there are a lot of real negative consequences that come from that black market that is created by the prescription pill process in the whole system. So I hope you'll think about that one, Allison. Call us another time if you've got further comments. Appreciate hearing from you tonight. 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. But of course, it's a good thing for doctors to have prescription pills out there because it's kind of a, well, a monopoly for them. It's Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation, investment, and barter currency. We've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some great rates on some hand-picked gold and silver pieces. U.S. Eagles, British Sovereigns, 20 Francs, Lakota Nation Silver Rounds, Montana Silver Reserves, and Walking Liberty Halves. Call 877-857-9938 or go to gold.freetalklive.com. The shipping is the same for one as it is for 20, so try to get as many as you can all at once. Gold.freetalklive.com. is Free Talk Live. Moments remain, but enough time for you and your thoughts if you dial in now. 855-453. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Here with you tonight, it's Ian. Then Julia. Once again, 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. And if you enjoy this program, you can support the show by shopping with us. Go to shop.freetalklive.com. That's where you'll find links to Amazon. You click into the Amazon that's right for your country, because there's different ones there. And then get your shopping taken care of. You'll get the stuff that you're looking for, and you'll get a great price because it's Amazon. You know They don't have to pay for the big box stores and all the rent and all that. They can pass on the savings to you. You get free Super Saver shipping on a lot of their brand new items. You can even order used. So go to shop.freetalklive.com. Get your shopping done and feel good because you're getting a great deal. And you're going to help Free Talk Live too because they're going to send us a cut of the sale when you go through shop. .freetalklive.com. Right back to the phones, your phone calls, your thoughts. Jerry is listening in Charleston to WVTS in West Virginia. Hi, guys. Hey, Jerry. Hey, I called you Friday right at the last couple of minutes of the show and didn't have time to get with you, but I promised you an exciting topic. Oh, great. And Yeah, but tonight I've actually got two, and I'm going to make it as quick as I can. All right. Okay, topic number one, Social Security. Your listeners may not know this. But all the firefighters across the United States, and we're talking professional firefighters, not, you know, volunteers, uh, they have their own pension plan. Now, when I was uh, 16, 17 years old, 1967, I went to work, and I paid into Social Security. I did that for a number of years and then later joined the fire department for 23 years. I then, uh, by the way, I was a disc jockey for five years, and then after I left the fire department, I became a radio talk show host All right. for another five or six years. 
So I paid from the private sector into Social Security just like every other person does during that period of time. Got it. All right. Now, I'm going to collect Social Security in six months. But instead of getting my full Social Security like everybody else does because I was a firefighter, I'm only going to collect 40% of it because during the Reagan eras, uh, the Congress changed the laws for firefighters and said that if firefighters had their own pension plan and Social Security, they considered that double dipping. Hmm. So even though I paid, you know, from the private sector like everybody else, Congress is stealing 60% of my Social Security money. So and and you were in a you were in a firefighting position long enough to get a pension? Yes. Got it. Now, in my town, we've had two judges in the last year and a half, two years, who were making oh about 160,000 a year on the bench. Wow. They re- they retired one day and uh, took their retirement, which was 100,000 a year, and <laughs> came right back on the bench the next day. As in what role? Yeah, making their hundred and sixty thousand plus oh their hundred thousand dollar retirement. Now that's what I call double, double dip. dipping. Absolutely, great. And point, it's sir. gone before you know uh, the authorities. It's gone, and they said there's nothing illegal about it. Of course, it might be a little bit unethical. <laughs> well, right. I mean, who's going to Who's going to decide that? Other judges? What are you going to do? Right. Appeal, appeal that to the other judges and say uh, this is wrong? And they're going to say no. This is great. What are you talking about? Right. So what I, I guess the point of the story is, if they can steal our Social Security that we paid into, like everybody else, if they can steal sixty percent of our money, they can steal anybody's money. For whatever you know, reason they come up with, no it. doubt about it. And anybody that's ever paid attention to the government and how they don't honor their agreements should be aware of this. And if you're not, then we'll wake up and pay attention to Jerry's story here, uh, because if they're willing to screw over their own people, I mean, <laughs> we're talking about screwing over their own workers. They're certainly going to screw you over. They don't give a rat's butt about you. And, uh, right. you know, when it comes to Social Security, you can already see how they've changed the, the game plan. In the initial uh, term, it was uh, the Social Security numbers were not supposed to be used for identification purposes. Changed the rules on that. And then, of course, they raised the, uh, the retirement age. They lower the amounts that, uh, you know, get, get paid out. And, of course, we all know, anybody that's paid attention knows that Social Security is bankrupt. I mean, it's, there's no money there. So uh, over time, as the, the Ponzi scheme gets more and more unwieldy with fewer and fewer people uh, paying in to support more and more people collecting, then it just it's all going to come crashing down. And then what are you going to get? You're going to get nothing because what they're right. going to have to do is print the money in order to, to make those paychecks. You're going to, they're going to cut the paychecks likely. It's not likely they're going to just stop Social Security. They're probably going to cut the paychecks, but they're going to cut them at a, at a rate where you know they're not going to keep up with uh, – inflation is going to happen. And that's going to be what part of what, uh, what causes it or what is creating the inflation. So therefore, the money that you're getting from Social Security, while it might be 1000 bucks a month, at that point, that 1000 bucks would be lucky to uh, sponsor one trip to the grocery store. Right. And one more quick comment before I go concerning the shooting in Florida. Yes, sir. Uh, we haven't heard all of the evidence yet. Oh, of course, uh, the guy's lawyers came out today, and I'm sure there's more to come. So I'm, I'm, I'm taking a neutral stance on this. But let me tell you what happened Saturday here in my town of Charleston. We had a house fire, 
that killed nine people, mm-hmm. and seven of them were children. And this entire community has literally wrapped their arm. And by the way, the nine people that died were black. And this is mostly a white community. And the white community has literally wrapped their arms around the family members. Uh, All the banks are taking money. The churches are gathering money. And you won't hear Jesse Jackson or Al Sharpton talk about how the white community is going out of their way here to help these these surviving family members. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, you sure. won't hear any of the good things that happen. Absolutely. Well, such is the nature of news, right? I mean, it, it, news tends to focus on negatives, tends to focus on the bad of, uh, of life, because good is far more overwhelming. Good is uh, far more common, and so therefore it's not newsworthy when people right. are good, because, well, most people are good to one another. And most people aren't racist, and most people get along, and that's why we have a functioning society. It's not because government exists, as some would have us believe. Well, you, the price to pay for a, a good society is taxes, and you have to have government, or else we'd have chaos. Well, really, no, the reason we don't have chaos and the reason we have good society and functioning society is because people know that it's in their best interest to treat other people with respect and to help people when, they, uh, when they're in need of assistance because – well, wouldn't we all want that to happen if we were in need? Wouldn't we want to be helped out? Duh. Sure. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Jerry. Appreciate your call and your thoughts tonight. 855-450-FREE. One of the reasons why I was, uh, when we were talking earlier about the being a good neighbor and con- confronting your neighbor instead of calling the cops on them and getting someone else to resolve your conflicts, basically, you know, I think that's one of the important things about being a good neighbor is so if something happens to you, they'll want to help you out because they care about you and they'll hope that you'll do the same thing. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's one of the reasons why I give money to local uh, charities. I mean, I... I don't expect to be homeless at any point in the in the future, but you never know. Yeah. Uh, and besides that, I wouldn't want because I can empathize. I wouldn't want to put myself in their shoes. I wouldn't want to be in those positions. Wouldn't want to be out in the cold. I want to have a nice warm place to go to. And so, while at the same time, I don't want to encourage people to live off of you know to be a mooches, so to speak. I think that there's. I think that private charities that are of a, a mindful sort of a mindset. Pe- Charities that pay attention to the people that come in their front doors, the, the ones that are actively counseling them, the ones that are helping them develop job skills, and the ones that are helping them you know, get work and, and make a better life for themselves and improve their lot in life. Those are the kind of charities I want to support, the yeah. ones that help people, not the ones that, uh, that just sustain them, but the ones that help them become their own uh, independent people. Again. Yeah. I think that's uh, that's valuable because not because being independent is necessarily the most important thing. We are all interconnected, and there's no way that, uh, that you can avoid that fact. Uh, but uh, there's this is useful. It's useful to help people out, and I'm I'm glad to hear that story. I'm I'm glad Jerry called in to share that. Yeah. So uh, we don't have uh, time for the remaining three judges here, but we'll put that one on hold, and we'll get back to it here in a moment. You had a quickie, though, Julia, about words being banned from school. Yes, I thought this was really silly. It's from Fox News, and it's uh, in a bizarre case of political correctness run wild. New York, it says, edocrats, like education. Edocrats. Okay. Uh, Banned references to dinosaurs, these are in quotes, so these are words. Mm-hmm. Birthday, 
Halloween, and dozens of other topics on city-issued tests. Oh, tests. I thought it was... Never mind. I thought the story was different by the headline. But anyway, uh, th- but the that's, reason because, for this. that's because they fear such topics could evoke unpleasant emotions in the students. Dino- <laughs> dinosaurs, for example, evolution. Birthdays are not celebrated by Jehovah's Witnesses. And Halloween suggests paganism. Oh, my. Yeah, absolute nonsense. Better to just not say anything. This is you why we don't need public schools. Yeah. All right, out of time tonight. Back tomorrow night. Join us online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. Available now, four new songs from Raja Mojo. Raja Mojo. That's R-A-J-A-M-O-J-O. Raja Mojo. Call it democracy. I've had enough of reading lies from fascists, psychopathic, genocidal corporations. All I want is the truth. Raja Mojo. Everybody knows the game is rigged. The poor stay poor, the rich stay rich. Four new songs from Raja Mojo. Buy them today at Amazon, iTunes, Napster, and at a discount at CDBaby.com.